If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. Uh, I mentioned last week we're doing something a little different with our classes uh, for the month of August. Uh, We may take it on into the month of September. It depends on how many topics we have. But uh, we're calling this series Asking for a Friend. And so these are subjects that have come up in conversation. These are topics that uh, the elders and I have spoken of some of these. Uh, Brandon and I have talked about a few of these. And many of them are questions that you have asked so we are going to do our best to answer them uh, from Scripture. So it's kind of like a Q&A at Huntingdon uh, and at, um, well, actually several congregations I worked at. A Meridian, we had boxes out for questions and answers, and so people would drop them in there. I think I mentioned at Meridian, I had to call ahead to get the questions. They'd drop them in. But uh, we all have questions that we're curious about, and hopefully we'll get to as many of those as we possibly can. Uh, with today being the Lord's Supper, I would have liked to have tonight uh, talked a little bit about uh, wine, because that's a, something that's mentioned there. We'll do that this coming Wednesday night. We'll talk about alcohol. What does the Bible say about it? And uh, how do we approach that from a Christian point of view, especially in the culture that we live in here? So we'll do that on Wednesday night. And then uh, moving forward, we'll have some classes Uh, In addition to the sermons we have on singing, we'll talk about instrumental music. We'll talk about the Old Testament versus the New Testament when it comes to that. We'll talk about prayer. And so when we get to prayer, we will talk about uh, women praying. Uh, We'll we'll deal with that, women's role in the church. And then when we get to preaching, we'll talk about the importance of preaching the Word of God, sound doctrine and such. And then also why women aren't preaching in the pulpit. Uh, those will all be dealt with in the coming weeks. But there are some others, and I think they're on uh, the online list. I can't remember all of them, but there's a, a host of topics that we'll do our best to get to. Because we talked about, a little bit about this last week, I want to continue our conversation on the issue of biblical sexuality. Now, I am going to do my very best. Uh, we're going to be very sensitive to the subject. I know that we, don't, we have all adults in here. But um, we're going to only cover the things that I feel like is probably best to discuss in a group. Uh, There are a lot of other Bible subjects uh, along with this that may be a little, uh, maybe more in tune to a conversation between husband and wife, or maybe counselor to counsel E. But the things that we're going to discuss tonight are things that are very important regarding our culture and what people say about sexuality. Last week we talked about human trafficking and we talked about how uh, it is time that the church opened her eyes to what's happening with the sexualization of people in our culture. Not just women, but of men. And we cannot be blinded by the fact that our culture is creeping in 
to the church. It's creeping into our children, it's creeping into our entertainment, our music, everywhere we turn. In fact, it's not that uncommon to see images even driving on the highway that are inappropriate on billboards. Uh, I had a friend in high school, actually two friends in high school, that joined the debate team. And uh, they gave us that year to go into the debates, your argument had to be about pollution. So some of us chose water pollution, some of us choose air pollution, and uh, they told the teachers, so we got something, trust us, it's going to be great, there ain't, isn't anybody that can argue with us. And so when they came to the debate with their subject, by the way, if any teenager says, trust me, it's a, man, you're walking a thin line right there, but they said, trust us, and so when they got up, they talked about pornography, and they won the whole debate. Because nobody could stand up and give a, and these are non-Christians, by the way, the, the kids were Christians, but I mean the culture, the, the, the classroom that was, was hosting the debate was all about secular stuff. And they didn't bring up Bible, they didn't bring up God, they didn't bring up any of that. They just talked about pornography, and they blew them all away. We were all freshmen. I think they quit the debate team the next year, because once you win, you know, you want to go out on top. Uh, and so, uh, but that was a great topic for them to cover because other kids that were standing there weren't prepared to give a rebuttal to that particular topic. And the way that they approached it was, and remember this is in the early 90s, okay? The approach was what will happen to our culture if we allow this pollution? If we allow an over-sexualization of our media and entertainment, how will it affect the next generation. And they were basically giving a, there are people there going, you know, you shouldn't be smoking outside. This is back when you could smoke in restaurants. And I think you could still smoke in planes at this point, you know, which is what in the world were they thinking? But, but there are certain things that at that time, things have changed so radically. Uh, it used to be if you went to a movie uh, place, uh, you couldn't rent certain movies without an ID saying you were old enough. You couldn't go to a theater without saying you met that qualification. I, I, I know many times people say, I gotta have an ID for a PG-13 movie. You know, I'm like, I drove here, you know? Um, but Star Wars, the last Star Wars was a PG-13 movie. And so our culture says that there are certain things, certain restrictions that ought to be on certain minds. And I'm gonna submit to you tonight that if the culture says it's bad, it's very bad. And if the culture says it's kinda bad, it's bad. So if the culture's saying these things are okay, we cannot allow our minds to be led by what our community or even what other people might think. We have to look at it from a biblical point of view. So what does the Bible say about sexual sin? And we'll deal with several different topics through this together. But I want to start with the current trends. And this was from a 2019, I believe, study. Boy, that's good color, isn't it? Don't you love those screens? 2017. So this is the reality of sexual sin in uh, the context of, of Christianity and us seeing it morally speaking. So the percentage of United States adults who said the following practice is morally acceptable, 63% in 2017, 63% feel that homosexuality, gay and lesbian relationships are morally acceptable. 40% back in 2001. So what happened in those 16 years that it jumped up among, this is in Gallup poll, by the way, 53% in 2001 
of adults in the United States said they thought having sex out of wedlock was morally acceptable. 69% now say it's morally acceptable. Divorce in 2001, 59% today, or at least 2017, 73% saw it as morally acceptable. And then down over here is some more shocking numbers where it says extramarital affairs. 7% of the culture said in 2001 it's, it can be morally acceptable. 9% in 2011. Now this same study from Gallup showed 72% of all college students when they enter in their freshman year or sophomore year, they're sexually active. Three out of four of our teenagers. That's no wonder that that's the case because our culture, adults overwhelmingly say these things are okay. And they're okay because it's in our, in our entertainment. We see it on TV all the time. 90% of the prostitutes that were interviewed in this SA issue, this conversation, said they were essayed as kids. You know what that, what that means. They were abused sexually as children. And so if you provide or if you, if you commit a certain sin or provide those sins in whether it be visual form or written form, it influences the future decisions of that child. 90% had experienced sexual abuse as children. 80% of sexual abuse victims are under the age of 30, and of those they interviewed, 42%, that's pretty close to half, were under the age of 18. So if you teach your children that it's okay to have a relationship outside of wedlock or a relationship of homosexuality, or you teach them that you can just divorce somebody for any reason whatsoever, or that it's okay to you know, use Ashley Madison if you're not happy with your spouse. If you don't know what that is, congratulations, but most people know that that is a website you can go to and have an affair. They'll set it all up for you. This is our culture today. This is not, this is not a, a vision of what terrible scenarios are waiting for us 20 years down the road. This is stuff from 2017 to 2013. This is the world we live in, and this is what people are thinking about these particular issues. And so if you provide entertainment to a child or to even a teenager that these kinds of things are okay, you can expect that as they get older, they're going to make really, really bad decisions. We watch television all the time and movies that have relationships in them, out of wedlock relationships, or uh, divorce multiple times over, or homosexual relationships. In fact, I would say it's more hard-pressed to find a show that doesn't have it today. In fact, you can go on and turn on NBC, CBS, ABC, you know, um, uh, what is it, HBO Max, Netflix, um, uh, Amazon Prime. Those shows are available at the click of a button. So what are we telling our children if we let them be entertained by that? Or by the language in music? That's a sad, sad commentary. Here's the reality also of here on this left side. Christians less likely than the religiously unaffiliated to say casual sex or open relationships are acceptable. When you look at the a Christian versus the unaffiliated, that there are several Christians, 33%, that see it as uh, that it, it being, you can have any kind of relationship that you want. Going on down the list, open relationships, casual sex between relationships, or even 
believe it or not, they were asking this poll. This is Pew Research, by the way. Is it okay to have sex on a first date? 3% of Christians said, yeah, that'd probably be okay. 8% of those that were unaffiliated with any religious group. This is our culture. Sexual assault statistics. We could probably deal with this at another time, but every 98 seconds, there is someone who is sexually abused in our country. Every 98 seconds. Two out of three of those will not be reported. They will not tell. And why should they tell? Because mom and dad let them watch girls being abused. In fact, they teach you now when you watch certain movies that, that girls like that, that you have to be aggressive with them. There are actually websites currently that you can go to and you can give them your name and your address and they will come to your home and rape you. There are people who pay money to have people come and do that to them. This is what our culture says is acceptable. Now we as Christians have to be sickened by that. That ought to, that ought to get, I mean, get us riled up big time. Especially if it's the abuse of a child or of a young person. That ought to be, that's horrific. It's terrible. And as Christians, if no one is standing up and saying these things are not only morally unacceptable, they, they are going to impact this child's life forever and all the people that try to interact with them in relationships forever. It's, it's got to be taken seriously. And one of the reasons why I submit, I believe, that these issues are not talked about enough is because we're sensitive, you know? I mean, I don't want to get up here and teach this lesson tonight. I have prayed about it for two weeks. But this is something that we have to talk about in some circle as Christians to recognize that we have to call sin, sin. And brethren, homosexuality is sin. It's sin. There is no way around it. And having inappropriate relationships... <laughs> It's sin. It is not something that we can just kind of wink at. Here are some thoughts from Scripture. And I'll go through these, and then we'll come back and we'll have some conversation about it and answer questions. First of all, if we know anything about the Bible, it teaches consistently that we need to practice self-control. This is a very important point that needs to be taught to our young people. Practice self-control. How many of us, if we're honest can remember things we did in our teenagers, maybe not necessarily sexual sin, but anything in our past. And we go, man, I wish I, wish I could go back and tell the younger version of myself, don't do that. We have to practice self-control. And that's not just for our younger people, that's for our older people. It's for all of us. I was talking to a, a friend this week, and he went to a conference. And at this particular conference, there was a group that set up a booth that does specific counseling for people who have gone through either sexual abuse or addiction to pornography. And one of the ladies that was giving the speeches at this conference, not at this particular moment, but was giving speeches at this conference, had converted to Christ out of pornography. She was actually a star, a film star, if you want to call it that. And she's sitting there in the church, or in the assembly, and the speaker, who's trying to, to talk about some other subject completely unrelated, keeps looking at these people that are here representing that booth, and he stopped his sermon. He stopped his message. 
And he got down and he said, this woman has converted to Christ, but how many people, how many people in this audience, how many people that call themselves Christians have supported the industry she was with? Because the only reason it continues is because people are paying for it. Do we understand that? Like if you say no, it won't happen. I mean, you were seeing that now. We were all about, and we'll talk about this Wednesday night, about alcoholism. And everybody's just all up in arms. Oh, Bud Light, they're losing all this money. Well, they should be losing money, not just because of that, but because of them taking a stand, and now they're having to walk. I haven't seen anybody walk back so fast. I mean, it's like Michael Jackson over there with those Bud Light folks. But they are, we're seeing the repercussions of people saying now they've taken it too far. Well, what would happen if we as Christians stood up against our media and our entertainment and, our, and said, this is too far. This is it. I'm not going to do it anymore. So when, and this man, and he was talking about how he, he said, I apologize for myself. And if there's anybody else here that participated, watched anything that she might have filmed or anybody else might have filmed, you need to apologize to this woman. And guys were coming up out of the audience and women were coming out of the audience saying, in tears, I committed the sin. I, I practiced this, and I, I, I watched it. I listened to it, or whatever. And it was amazing how so many people were finally able to come and say, I'm sorry, I've sinned, I've done something terrible. These people that are in this industry, they need Jesus. They do. But we as Christians should be, not, I'm not just talking about vocally, I'm talking also about where we go on certain websites to support this stuff. And products that are sold to support these things. We have to practice self-control and call sin, sin. Pornography is a sin. We're also to obtain, abstain from sexual sin. That means to completely get away from it. There are only a few times in the Bible that uh, certain things, certain sins are talked about. And it says, don't walk, run. Okay? This is one of those things. Paul talks about running away, fleeing sexual morality. Getting as far away from it as possible. Uh, but we don't do that enough. Number three, sexual immorality is a sin. We have to see it as a sin. And the Bible refers to it quite frequently. And if you are submitting to the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the works of the flesh have those things there included. So we put that aside. Uh, and this is a tough one. Lust is a sin. Lust is a sin. They say, well, I'm not doing anything. It's, I'm just, I, I thought about it or I saw it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Lust is a sin. You ever got burned before? You know, you ever been burned in a fire? I know I've told the story about putting my hand down on a, a, a heater at our house. I learned after that. If you've ever been burned, you don't go to be burned again. You learn from your mistakes. And we have to get to a point where when we have sinned, we say, I don't want to go anywhere near it again. I don't want to submit to this. I don't want it to, to let it be a problem in my life. And pornography, to be quite honest, is a lustful sin, lust of the flesh. And so when we participate or we watch or support such things, it's, it's not only a sin physically, it's a sin mentally, which in many respects is worse. Jesus talks to his disciples very plainly in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, it used to be said... You shouldn't commit adultery, but I'll tell you what, you better not even look upon a woman inappropriately. That is a far cry from the Old Testament. Because see, the Pharisees would always find loopholes, wouldn't they? Well, they say adultery is a sin, but I'm not committing adultery. I may just be thinking about it. And Jesus says if it's in your mind, you've already sinned. 
and it's a sin of the heart. Sex is reserved for covenant marriage. We can go back to the Old Testament. We can see the union of marriage in Genesis chapter 2 and the issues that took place after that when people didn't agree to covenant. We can go look in Leviticus chapter 20 and we can see the significance of a covenant between a man and a woman. And it is to be taken seriously. Marriage is sacred. Uh, We're to treat it as what it is, the greatest institution. The first institution God ever uh, put into motion was the home. And then also, we have to remember that two become one in flesh. Now, Paul uses the example in Corinthians about being one with a prostitute and how no one would want to do that. Nobody should want to ever commit such a, a terrible sin. And he talks about how we do things to corrupt our flesh that can harm our image. And I'm talking about us being the image bearers of God. Not just Christianity, but our image of the living God. We have been created and formed to live in the world like God has created us to be. So if we choose to engage, even if you're not a Christian and you choose to engage in these sins, it is against the Creator. Two become one, and it is supposed to be, as God designed it, between one man and one woman who are married. And there is no question about that. So how do we fight these sins? When it comes to homosexuality, some people say, well, you know, and this is a hard one. I talk to teenagers about this frequently. We'll say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to ever do those things. I'm not, that's just disgusting. I would never, it's, it's humiliating. It's a violation of nature, and it's all these things. But again, our culture paints it. And if you'll look at some entertainment, it shouldn't take too long to see that, that they are looking to make men effeminate so that they can erase the role of men completely from the home. If they can disrupt the head of the house, they can disrupt the entire household. It's the same thing when it comes to women. When it comes to women, they will sexualize women as much as they want. They will put them out there in in ads and things, dress scantily. Even the way they do the voiceovers on some of these things can make the hair on the back of your head stand up. What are they trying to accomplish with this? And so we have to flee from those things. Remember that when it comes to sex, it's a gift from God. And it is a gift that is given to the married couple. Again, Genesis chapter 2, the two become one flesh. Another way to fight sexual sin is to respect God's standards for purity. Uh, Jesus teaches the disciples a couple of times, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, that they are to maintain sexual purity, that it is between a man and a woman. Marriage is, is um, between one man and one woman. And that's where the sexual union takes place, not in any other place. So we have to recognize... God's standard. And then along with that, recognize what sexual sin is. We've got to call it sin. I have a friend. He's a preacher. Uh, If I mentioned his name, some of you would probably know it here. He will not use the term homosexuality. He will not from the pulpit. He will not do it, even though the Bible says it. He calls it sodomy. And he only refers to it as sodomy. And that upsets people, especially when they say, well, And I know this is sensitive. So I know somebody or I have a relative that, and we all have that within our family, but he calls it like the Bible calls it. In fact, the first city that's wiped out and destroyed as a result of sexual sin is the city of Sodom. They were Sodomites. That is where we get the term sodomy from homosexual sin. So we have to call sin, sin. Don't flirt with it. Don't say, well, you know, that's just, no, it is sin to practice homosexuality. 
realize also that this is spiritual warfare. Just like anything else that is meant to disrupt your home, disrupt your own spiritual walk, disrupt the church, it is a sin. And it is spiritual warfare with the devil. The devil is convincing people all the time that anybody should be able to have sex at any time, for any reason, whoever, whenever, why ever. Completely taking away from God's intended design. And when that happens, uh, it just basically starts a whole list of other problems in one's life. Also, run to the cross. Uh, For those who have practiced sexual sin, there is forgiveness at the foot of the cross. We had a couple times at Titus camp. It's rare, but we do have kids that come forward sometime during the invitation. And we've had a couple times that kids have come forward and said, I've done some things that are inappropriate, and I want to ask for forgiveness. And we pray over them. We don't necessarily read out loud what their comment is, but we pray over them. And I know kids may not like it, but I call their mom and dad. And I say, hey, look, we love your son. We love your daughter. We appreciate so much their tender heart, but they came confessing sin. And I'm not trying to be a teller. I'm not trying to get them into trouble with their parents, but I'm saying that something at home must be amiss, or something is happening in this child's life to think that this is okay. And so we try to work with that. We have a lot of counselors on staff, so we pray with people. It's been a while since that happened. But from time to time, we have to talk to our children or to our young people and say, and be willing to listen, by the way, say what is wrong, what is sinful, and then say, let's talk about it. Another one is repentance. Psalm 51, David commits a sexual sin. He asks for forgiveness, and he is forgiven by God. That doesn't mean the consequences go away. In Romans, Paul puts it something like this when he says they will have sin or corruption in their body. There are certain things that violate the nature of your human form. And when that is practiced, there will be health consequences. That's just the way it is. And so Paul states that in Romans 1. It's why people who live that lifestyle die young, because they are abusing their body. Uh, And finally, uh, number seven, run away. Again, flee from it. If you can stay away from these particular things, stay as far away as you possibly can. And again, this is something not just to be taught to our young people, but it's something that we all need to know too, to be more careful and more cautious. Now, I do believe that we need to practice forgiveness. That's not on the list. But when someone commits a sin and they ask for forgiveness, we should grant that to them, especially if they've repented of it. Luke talks about that. Jesus uses that example. But we, we need to be forgiving and loving. That does not mean we accept the sin that's been committed, but we offer forgiveness to that person or those individuals, uh, saying that we want to be in the spirit of Christ, gentle, understanding, Uh, But here's the really hard part. It's easy for us, it's easier maybe for us to confess. In fact, it's like, and I hate to use this example, but it's the best example I can come up with. That sometimes when you don't feel good, you know, and you just, and a mom used to say, son, if you just go throw up, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm stubborn. I will sit there, and I will tummy growl, and I won't do it. But sometimes confession is like that. It's just get it out, and it's awful, it's terrible, it makes a mess. But then you finally go, okay, that's out of my system, and I can move forward again. Well, if you've eaten a certain food, 
that gives you food poisoning. If you go to a certain restaurant where you get sick every time, would you continue to go back? You wouldn't. So if there is a sin that you've committed and you know it was wrong and you say, I'm never going to do that again, and you go right back to it, the same thing is necessary. You have to confess again and confess again. So here's where we need to be as Christians. If we have, it can be sexual sin, it can be any sin that we're struggling with, we need to have people around us that can pray with us. This is one of the best things. Uh, We have a little group uh, from my best friends. We're in a text group. And whatever somebody's talking about, whatever somebody's dealing with, what everybody's struggling with, it stays within the text group. And we will say, hey, I'm struggling with this, or I'm struggling with that. And you need a group of people to surround you that can pray for you and ask God forgiveness for you as you're asking for God's forgiveness too. But along with that, there needs to be accountability. And I think that one of the reasons why the early church grew so fast is they were so close that any sin that was committed in the camp was dealt with when it happened. It says that they did many signs and wonders. You know, the fear of the Lord came upon the people. Why was that? Just because people were coming to Christ? No, because they were confronting sin. And in order to become a child of God, to be covered by the blood of Christ, you have to repent of sin. That means that we come together and we say, James says, confess your sins to one another. And that's very important is we come and we say, I've done this. And so you get a group of people around you who say, I'm going to pray that you don't do it again. I'm going to encourage you not to fall into that hole ever, ever again. Stay away from those particular sins. It works well with alcohol. I know some guys that have been through AA. I don't necessarily agree with all the principles, but I love the idea of people sitting around in a room and saying, hey, and it's a great thing to get up and admit fault. They get up. You've probably seen it on TV if you've never been to a meeting. We used to have them at a church I worked at and go in there and they'd say, hi, I'm Ray Reynolds. And I'm an alcoholic, you know. What do they say? Hey, Ray, you know, they know. They call you by name, you call them by name, and you confess right off the bat. The same thing should be true of other sin. We should be willing to confess. So if I have a problem and I just can't get quite past it and I need help, I should entrust a couple of brothers to help me. You know, if I go to Tim and I say, hey, look, I'm having all these struggles and I need prayer, he's not going to say just I'm going to pray for you. He's going to check on me, make sure I'm okay. We need to have a circle of people that can help us when we deal with sin. Encourage, help us get to wherever we need to go, treatments, options, counseling, that we can surround each other. You need a a good group, at least four or five people that you surround with. And that's not your gossip circle either, by the way. It's not your, it's not like the, the preacher who was traveling with two other preachers and one said, I've been drinking and I have an alcohol problem. And I'm confessing that to the group. And the next one says, well, you know, I have a gambling problem. I want to confess that to the group. And then the third one says, well, I have a gossiping problem and I can't wait to get home. Don't be that person. If somebody comes to you with a struggle or a sin, you say, I'm going to pray for you. No need to tell other people love covers a multitude of sins. You say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be here when you need me. I know some guys, and I'll tell this story real quick before we get to our questions. There are a bunch of truckers. And he, the guy that I was talking to, he said, we formed this group, and they don't all work for the same trucking company either. But they all went through some schools and classes together, but they were all Christians. And they said, when we go on the road, we have a list of, like a checklist of things. One is, you ask for a television not to be in your room, or you unplug it as soon as you walk in the room. Uh, They have to check in first with their buddies, 
and then they check in with their spouse, and they say, I promise that I'm going to be you know, faithful in what I view with my eyes and what I think tonight, and um, they would read their Bible together or say their Bible together, but when they were out on the road, they constantly checked in on each other, and if somebody didn't check in, they had a pretty good feeling that they might be up to something bad. So they would all call immediately and check on these guys. And I thought that was a great idea that every night when they got to the hotel traveling or wherever they were staying, they would check in with one another. How are you? Are you okay? Did you unplug the television? Did you put aside, did you check and make sure that there's you know, nothing filthy? Did, you haven't gone to the liquor store. You haven't gone this. You haven't done that. And they hold each other accountable and it has blessed them uh, immensely. Uh, this gentleman, I won't mention his name, but he's been a driver for like 25 years and that's his practice every time he's on the road. His wife knows it. His preachers know it, but he says, I've got a group of people that I can talk to, and they hold me accountable. And if they travel together, they, they go out to eat together as a group. They don't go out with anybody else. They stay close to their little inner circle, and I think that's a great way to handle uh, particular sins. So that's just some thoughts that I have on these particular scriptures. And so I'm going to open it up to some questions, and I'm going to see who... Robert, you're going to volunteer? All right. I got one more mic if somebody wants it. All right, so let's get, let's get to some questions. Does anybody have any questions or thoughts you want to add to what we've talked about before we... <laughs> he went straight to Billy. Does anybody have anything you want to add? Casey, would you mind getting this other microphone? I'll let you do this side. Anybody have anything they want to add? Yes, yeah, Steve, over here, Robert. The, the table mic is on, okay. Well, this isn't really a question. This is more of a comment on, you know, when you're talking about uh, the lust is a sin. You said the lust is a sin as in looking at pornography and lusting after it. Unfortunately, in our society, especially here in South Alabama, and I guess anywhere there's a beach area, right? it's getting harder and harder not to do it on the beach. Yes, I mean, you know, I told Tammy this a while back. I said, you yeah, know, it's scary how five years ago you'd be out there on the beach and you'd see one person with, mm-hmm. you know, their hiney showing mm-hmm. and you could look away. Now it's getting worse and where when you look away, you see five other people with the right. same, you know, you know, thong bikini on here. Yep. So it's getting harder and harder for us, you know, and, and I know women are going, that's no problem with me. And you're right. It's a, it's a guy thing. And, you yes. know, we know that. But, you know, we, it's more than lust after pornography. It's lust after looking on the beach that you walk out to and trying to enjoy with your family. Right. It's lust walking into a store because of the clothes they wear right. and things. So we got to make sure that we are doing two things. One is men making sure we avert our eyes and look the other way. Right. And second of all, we're trying to teach our girls not to do it, not to wear it, dress that way. Right. And I got three girls and I, you know, it's a tough. lot of y'all go, nope, y'all, you ain't doing it. And you're right. There's sometimes I'm going, what are you doing? Right. You know, but we've got to make sure as, as the women in this congregation, I encourage you to teach all the young ladies of the congregation. Right. How to dress. Right. And you got to do that by yourself. You got to do that by teaching classes. You got to be doing those kind of things. Because yes. me and Tammy telling them to do it, other teachers or other parents around here saying, hey, I told my kids that, same thing. Right. 
they're not going to listen to us. But they might listen to, you know, somebody else at this congregation. Right. So I encourage of that, too. So, you know, guys, watch yourself. Ladies, help us right. to watch ourselves. That's a great point. I think uh, the immodest issue, we could take a whole class to talk about. Maybe we need some sermons on that, too, with the immodesty issue. But... People will say, well, these young people are dressing that way. They're only dressing that way because older people dress that way. They're modeling the examples of the people that they see. They don't just walk into a store and go, oh, I want to wear something immodest. No, they pick the things that are popular. And all the things that they see are those things that are immodest. That's what people want to see. I mean, it's hard to go into a store, like you said, or anywhere and see something and go, well, that's a really modest outfit. Usually it's, oh, my goodness. And it's hard when you go down to the beach, as you said, because you say, well, I'm not going to go to the beach. I'm going to stay away from it. And I know we all probably love the ocean and the sand and things like that, but you can't even go to Publix. <laughs> you can't even go to Walmart without seeing things that are inappropriate. And I don't think we need to be the, uh, the fashion police, you know, run up to people and tape them off, you know. But I think that what we have to do is we communicate to our children and to our spouses if there is a, a lust issue. Say, you know, that's not a very good way to dress. <laughs> you know, that's not something that you should be doing. Don't practice that. And so we tell our children. Now, our children are tough, too, because we will buy them outfits that are, we see, modest. And somehow they still get the immodest stuff. They borrow it from a friend, or they get something and you don't know about it. And uh, I know there were times, even as kids, we, we would wear sleeveless shirts out in the neighborhood. We never did shirts and skins as basketball teams, mostly because a lot of us were chubby guys. But we chose to wear sleeveless shirts. And so when we started working out and things like that, you know, we wanted people to see the muscle. You know, we wanted people to see that we were working out. And I think the same thing is true even for young ladies. In fact, I heard a mom say this once. We were at a, a pool party with our children. And uh, her little girl come out. She's probably seven years old in a two-piece bikini. And, you know, I, 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 I oh, okay, you know, and you know, she's, she's a Christian. And she says, well, if I had a body like hers, I would dress like that. And I said, well, then now we know why she dresses like that. Because you say, well, when I was that young, if, if I kept that body, I would dress a certain way. Well, that is sexualizing your children in the effort to try to get self-gratification, to say, hey, I wish that I had that body. I wish that I had. And so it is, it ought to be humiliating. But instead it's, you know, if I, was, if I was like that, this is what I would permit. This is what I would do. Instead we should be saying to our children, you know, that was, that was inappropriate, wasn't it? Do you know why we shouldn't dress like that or we shouldn't do these particular things? Same things with guys. I've seen guys dress very inappropriate from time to time. <laughs> when I was growing up, the problem was the pants were all sagging off. Um, I always was told that if you're, if your backside was showing, it's because you couldn't afford a belt, you know. But these guys will sag their pants, and uh, it just is humiliating, really, uh, to say that we have to go to our kids, hey, pull their pants up, you know, or hey, take that shirt down a little bit. I know it's hard, too, for girls in our culture, the thing now is uh, they want you to believe they don't have pants. They really do. They, they want you to go, but that's why they wear sweaters that cover their little tiny shorts. They want you to think that they got no pants on. So the guys will be going, what in the world? And so that's what they do. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago when I was growing up, if you wore a sweater in the middle of the summer, it meant you were on meth. So uh, we didn't wear sweaters in the summer, but our kids do. That's what they think is cool. But they will wear virtually no pants. So um, at some point, we have to have a conversation with them about it. Yes, yeah, somebody else. Yes, Crystal. I think Barry, did you have your hand up too? 
No. Okay. The crystal. Um, I was going to bring up the statistics with our young kids with the SA. Yes. Um. So as a teacher, we have to keep record even of kids that commit those against other students and report it to police. So your child, if they are not, if they may be assaulted, but if they are also being assaulted or doing the assault, if they're doing the assault as a young kid, that goes on their record and they have to be um, registered. And so we have to be mindful of our young men and women to make sure that they don't commit those things also. It has a lifelong effect. Um, I don't know that we've had it in this congregation, but I've worked at other congregations where we've been called by an officer or a probationary individual that will say, hey, uh, we had one individual that visited every year during vacation, but they would say, hey, look, they're coming to your building. They'll be there on Sunday morning, July, whatever, and uh, they'll be bringing their family. They will not be coming to class. They will only be coming to worship. And uh, so they will tell you they're on the registry. And they have to do that legally before they come and enter your building. And so we would say that's fine. They can't come to class. They can come in for worship right at the, at the time that worship starts. We'll save a pew for them in the back, and they can get up and leave. And I, I, I don't know if I told this story. Have I told the story? When you preach for so many years, you forget. But anyways, this man, after a couple times, he came to talk to me in the foyer after services. And he said, um, and I had more than one conversation with people about things like this. But anyways, his was very impactful. And he said that um, when he was... 19, he was graduating high school, and his girlfriend was 18, I think, or 17, anyways. Well, they were sleeping together. Daddy found out, and Daddy turned him in. The little girl's dad turned him in. Uh, He then had to go to jail. He registers a sex offender. He's still a 19-year-old high school kid, okay? But he registers a sex offender. After that, they continued to date. Went to college, got married have three kids, but for the rest of his life, he has to register as a sex offender. And that's not the only time I've heard that happen. So we have to be very careful when you're talking to your kids. And this is, this is a big one today because they all lie. Goodness. They lie like crazy. Get on there on Facebook. How old are you? 99. No, it's a 10 year old kid that's pretending to be 99. If we would get that, but our kids don't understand that they are lying through their teeth. And so they'll say, Hey, I'm a, uh, you know, 18-year-old girl, you know, or I'm a 19-year-old girl. She could be 15. I don't care how well you think you know somebody. They may be lying to you. And so there's a lot of kids that are currently on the registry because the person they were with lied to them about their age. So you have to really put that, put the fear of God in those kids to say, you don't do this because here are the ramifications. Yeah, Robert? Okay. Yeah, Rachel. I was just going to say, bouncing off of Steve's comment, um, it's hard. Like, nowadays, all everybody has cell phones. Everybody's got social media. And for girls, we're being told, like, you know, don't be the godly woman. Don't be the godly mother, the godly wife. It's all up to the guys for how they think, how they use their brains when they look at you. But why would you not want to respect yourself enough mm-hmm. to help them out. Those are your brothers in Christ. And those are my brothers who (laughs) see all that, you know? And I remember one time we were driving down the road and Nate looked at a dress shop and he said, 
I wonder if the girl who buys that dress knows that she's not even going to be looking that good in it because it's not, it's not what men want to see. Right. It's not, she's not going to be respected. And right. I thought, I mean, he was like 10 years old at the time. And I was like, good for you. <laughs> well but it's, it's hard for girls nowadays. So that's what they're pushing. That's a great point. That's a really good point. And it is tough, especially when, uh, when it comes to what women wear, like Steve said, it, a lot of it, a lot of this, the lustfulness is from a men's point of view, although the rise in pornography among women is like tripled in the last decade. Uh, but a lot of it comes down to what are you looking at and why are you looking? And I tell my boys this, you can use this if you want. Um, it, it's, uh, it's completely, you know, subjective. But what I tell my kids is if she wants you to see what she's got, you don't want to see it. If she wants to show you parts of her body or wants her to touch you, you're not the first one. And so you need to avoid those kinds of, that's what I tell my sons. And that's what I would tell your sons if I had them in class. I would say, if there's a woman who's dressed in a certain way, dancing a certain way, acting a certain way, I'm telling you, there's a reason why she's called the adulterous woman in the book of Proverbs. So if she wants you to see what she's got, she's advertising it. It's already, the immodesty has gotten you to a level where there is lust in the eyes. Uh, who else? Got another comment? Why do you think our culture pushes this? Okay, it's, it's financial, no doubt. It's what sells. That's right, people want it. They desire it. They pay for it. Now, there's a reason why, you know, I, oftentimes even the Super Bowl, the halftime commercials, uh, it's just so hard to see our culture going down this path. Now, it was, it was bad in Rome, too. It's been bad before, but never at a time when Christianity basically dominated the planet, at least the teachings and the thoughts of Christ. There are so many ways that this could be defeated, and it comes with our dollars, you know, if you, if, let's say, for instance, you know somebody, we do, we'll be polishing the pulpit here in just a couple weeks, won't we, ladies? There's a great group, I'll tell you this, I'm going to give her uh, an advertisement, um, even though I'm not getting paid to do it, with as much as Misty buys from her, I ought to. But there's this lady, she has the pearly peacock, and it is modest dress for the Christian woman. And it is awesome, she's got some cool styles, uh, she's got headbands and, and jewelry, but she's also got several different outfits. And more and more Christian women are recognizing this is a trend uh, where a lot of Christian women are saying, I'm done. I want to I dress. I'd, you shouldn't dress, you know, terribly. You know, if people say, well, uh, should you, should you, uh, you know, cover every part of your body? I remember one time as a kid, uh, we saw this girl and she had a short skirt. And my mom said, you're supposed to wear your skirt down to your ankles. And I'm like, the only people I wear a shirt, see wearing a skirt to their ankles is the older ladies at the church. But my mom, her, her opinion was they need to be way down here. But when it comes to modest dress, there, you can be stylish and dressed in a modest way, guys and girls. Um, so let's just kind of keep that in the back of our minds, too. Anybody else before we close out? It's been a great discussion. I think we do need to talk about modesty a little bit more in depth. We were specifically talking about sexual sin, but this is very important. Let's pray for our culture, uh, pray for people that are impacted by this, and uh, really hope that our culture turns around, at least that we as Christians stand up for what is right. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. 
www.thepeopleshow.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.